as a poly person interested in in divesting away from this idea that we have to put all of our eggs in one relationship basket and that a single person has to be our everything you can experience life with so many different types of people whether you're straight or not like you could have your whole man's and your whole husband and still have your romantic friends that help offer something to your life that your man's cannot Welcome back to Politics of Pleasure. I'm your host, Nia. And I'm your host, Des. We release new episodes every other Thursday. Follow us on IG at Politics of Pleasure Pod or on Twitter at Pleasure Politic. And don't forget to support us. You can click the link in our description if you'd like to send us a monthly donation or a one time. And on that note, I did want to shout out before we jump in All right. our latest supporter. Bam, 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 bam. Thank you, Jesse, for your support, your monthly donation. We really appreciate it. As we said last episode, every dollar counts. Um, and now we're at the point where, like, y'all are helping us buy books, like, yes. buy wine (laughs) which is necessary yeah like buy buy things that like make our lives better but also help us bring content to you that's meaningful and and researched and not just garbaggio on the internet (laughs) we we really put our heart and souls into this so you supporting us means a lot thank you thank you thank you yeah so thank you jesse yes we really appreciate it how are you doing today i'm doing great i'm i'm feeling good i'm feeling great (laughs) i'm feeling grand how are you doing I am vibing, actually, doing well. Um, I ended up watching, because I've been on my trash TV watching recently. I've been watching Dexter, so for those of you who like like crime and murder stuff. I did watch Dexter. Um, Dexter's, like, the new season, like, renewal series, I should say, even, of, like, the OG series is out. And I've been watching that, and I've been living for it. But I also oh, really? been on... Yeah, well, you didn't know that there's, like, a new series of dexter no i think i saw the promo for it and i just never yeah, watched no, it no you should definitely watch it it's oh, good honestly okay. i kind of think it's better than the first series but yeah i watched it not when it was airing i watched it obviously as a whole series and i was like <laughs> it no it's because it came out in 2006 girl yeah. it doesn't age well no <laughs> and it's set in miami and you have a oh. personal connection to miami so i can easily see you being like what the actual fuck's going yeah, on in the show I, yeah. but the new like <laughs> renewal of the series is good um it, you know i i like the show just because it, it of course interrogates the whole like questions of good and evil and like what's humane and what's not but also i personally think dexter as a character is like the inner voice in the mind of people who think that our society is like complete made-up garbage <laughs> like this man i mean he's a murderer he's a serial killer but like the whole show is premised on his inner monologue mm-hmm. and he's literally just like i don't get it like i don't get it i don't understand social norms i don't understand why you guys care about the things you care about none of this tracks for me and i really think that's why so many people love watching that show is mm-hmm. because it appeals to the person who is just like disillusioned by the world right yeah, it, um and he's a serial killer yes but all the other elements of his personality i think make make him feel othered so if you are othered you can resonate with some of his sentiments despite him being a white man who murders people well i was gonna say the other show that feels in the same spirit is mr robot 
Oh yeah, which oh well, that's a whole. I was gonna say that that's like Fight Club. That's mm-hmm. like some crazy shit right mm-hmm. there. I never finished Mr. Robot, um, which is a TV show. If y'all are not aware, um, I think I have it on Amazon Prime. I think but so. It was. I didn't out. finish it either, but yeah. I also was like, okay, this feels very similarly in terms of spirit of the <laughs> yes. in, of the inner monologue at least and the disillusionment at least. But I have also been watching shitty reality TV, Please. and my first pulse of the moment topic this week yes is... what is it wait hold on hold on <laughs> me and nicole because when we're talking about the pulse of the moment we're talking about a stripper name <laughs> shut up me and nicole all right me and nicole what's t what's the pulse of the moment um okay so i honestly the zeitgeist is giving christmas music only so there's I know, not it's giving big mariah carey <laughs> yeah. which i get your coins is so i don't have much for you all today so i'm gonna keep it brief but first actually yeah let me let me rewind before mm-hmm. i dive into the television show i'm talking about because that's a full read that like is going to to, to be given to see what tv show it is because i also watch some trash tv and mm-hmm. i know that you know about mm-hmm. it okay um but first let me just say the dykes are fighting on tiktok <laughs> um they're fighting on tiktok and i'm just gonna weigh in quickly <laughs> i really don't want to belabor the point but uh, i, I ain't really never been with <laughs> She called me so I added to the telly. Okay, so it's a sick song. If you guys know this song by Drea Mac, who I love, and actually I have a personal vendetta against British rap. I know y'all are gonna oh, hate shit. me. Not Wait. like okay, I don't. I just I don't know. I think I'm just an American elitist, like with my rap, where I'm just like I am just like I'm sorry, but rap sounds weird and and like other. I don't know. It's just such a deeply American thing. I, and other, I understand the sentiment. You know, I don't. I don't think I inherently agree, but I also understand the sentiment. And I don't hate all of it. It's just it takes me a while to overcome the barrier of that makes sense. The accent, yes, that makes sense. Um, because for me, again, like so much of the rhyme scheme no, and like the flow of rap yeah, is rooted in American vernacular, African American vernacular also, English. It's, it's, it's black and it's from it's America, from New York. Yeah, it's it's black and it's from New York, and then it went to L.A. Kind of, um i'm kidding the oh, south. oh yeah don't God. please don't Hold start on. because the, you're gonna insult the I'm southern so negroes i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry south i'm so and sorry i'm south. really pissed right now Outcast. i'm so sorry south i'm so sorry <laughs> because too I short is is about to come for your neck i know trina i'm so sorry <laughs> no 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 listen but rega- regardless spread. of the region there you yes, go regardless of the regional difference i'm very american it in, is very american in, in my a, rap appreciation no, it's, a, it's the one of the classics of america yes it, it was born in america so when the brits do it i'm like oh, why are you uh, quick maths <laughs> <laughs> And so I sometimes, and also honestly, mm. the only people that I have spoken to who like go up for a uh, British rap are white people, and so yeah. it turns me okay. off. And so I'm like, oh, why do you like this so much? I don't know. But regardless, I respect the folk over there doing what they got to do because they also have their own struggle. Work it out. Um, yeah. But Drea Mac, I, I say this to say, she is one of the few people that honestly got me like into british rap like i really like her stuff mm. um but she's the one who has the very viral tiktok song that's you know going around i forgot what the name of the song is but i, I ain't never been it. with a baddie she comes so added to the tally some some that call mm-hmm. her maddie mm-hmm. some some that send me to addy mm-hmm. whatever it is addy maddie caddy baddie they <laughs> <laughs> Drea made this song, but on TikTok, of course, the white lesbians, you know, decided to co-op. What are they doing? Um, and this white girl decided to do like a 
what she calls a remix, which to me is just Whack. plagiarism. Whack. Um, because she literally just rewrites over the, the beat that already exists and then basically regurgitates the same lyrics that Drea already did. Basically. And now... We're adding her own flow. Uh, what flow? She's also like... A, it was bad. She's also a white girl who is like so cringy, like... Absolutely. Uh, uh, you're not giving it's rap. fucking terrible. Um, it was the same... Like, literally, that you copied her flow, her mm-hmm. lyric context like most of the actual lyrics over her own beat and didn't credit her oh i would have whooped your ass what the fuck so the issue for me is that now the white lesbians on tiktok are like this finally this is the white lesbian like the women loving women content that we've been asking for tagging the white girl who covered the track when drea the woman who made it the song gay wrote the song (laughs) she's gay she's the originator and it's been a whole thing she responded to this on tiktok and she was just like y'all don't see your own racism here the white lesbians are clearly going up for this white girl covering a song that's not her own and i just i just wanted to bring attention to this because the erasure of black lesbianism mm. in media and art and is, in music and media Specific- is what i mean oh, yeah. yeah media yeah. and art um music specifically no for you, you. yeah i'm um, sorry that for me is is an issue that for example like y'all will let kristen stewart go out here and make a mediocre ass lesbian ass movie and like go the fuck up for it (laughs) but when a black lesbian actually like makes a song about loving other women y'all somehow overlook it and are like we're not represented but then when a white girl does it now you're represented please just stop just stop just stop just stop just stop um and to be honest i don't think the white girls necessarily want to be represented by this either this girl's music is garbage Mm. i'm sorry like it's just not good like Mm -mm. at least this cover Mm -mm. whatever else i don't know Mm -mm. um but that is kind of the other point here is just like the way that white mediocrity like you this girl covered this song and rose to fame on tiktok just because she's white that's it that's literally it and she used the the work of the black woman she's the actual talent giving any talent in that verse that is the issue that is the issue she gets to be mediocre and a black woman who literally did above and beyond is still not getting credit for the work that she actually did so i say that to say go support drea mack and the Actually, this brings me to my next oh, pulse of the moment. What's the pulse the of the moment? The white queers, your queerness does not make you not a white person. Sorry. Like, actually, not sorry at all. Um, but y'all need to hear it again and again and again. And it seems like no matter how many times a black person tries to tell you this, you just don't listen. One more time for the you people in the back. are not a black person just because you're queer, right? Like you don't understand the black experience, the brown experience, the marginalized experience of a person of color just because you were a queer person. You also are not absolved from your racism because you are queer. And it's quite interesting the way people weaponize queerness to try to make themselves also seem more interesting and relevant because We live in a society now where capitalism has decided to gobble up diversity and inclusion and make it trendy and turned it into social capital. So now it is a performative act to honestly like pretend to be marginalized or pimp out your own trauma to make a quick buck. And so white queers have 
realized this and they're like how do i save myself from being held accountable Mm. for being a white person who Mm -hmm. does problematic white things i'm going to use my queerness as a way to escape some of the accountability that i would otherwise receive because now i have my own plate that i can use to pimp out for my own trauma porn to get you guys to feel bad for me sympathetics oppression olympics yada 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 yeah that just makes me think of like the current client like the the capitalism that's going on within like the rise of like social media entrepreneurship we were Mm -hmm. just talking about online the fact that i have not attuned my you know i'm just getting on the tiktoks y'all yeah um and i I sounded like such a fucking auntie (laughs) grandma no but you know i i've been a um a spectator a little bit but also like my algorithm is not in tuned yet and we were Mm -hmm. just talking offline about the fact that i'm still getting the white lesbians who think that being gay is a part of their personality thank you that is it that's literally it and that's what honestly thank you for saying that in that way because that is the true even difference in the artistry between this white girl who covered drea's song and drea who made the song drea clearly mentions that she is queer but it is clearly not the entire crux of her art this white girl is literally premising her whole identity yes and her whole personality her whole intrigue her allure her artistic statement is literally just i'm a lesbian why because she (laughs) because you bit on someone's actual lived experience because the person who has the sauce the person who wrote the song is the person who has the lived experience you not having your own lived experience or writing outside of your own lived experience never lives up to the actual original sure but she also has her own lived experience she's a lesbian she's just made that her whole personality no but the fact that you bit off of someone else's song that's my point it's the you you your rise to fame is off of somebody yeah. else's song and yeah. the person who wrote that song that's their own lived experience if you want to write a song about being a white lesbian please do so there <laughs> oh are guess. so many white lesbians who are living their lives yes phoebe bridges and is they a perfect make example wonderful of, music that i listen to yes i love white lesbian songs mm-hmm. right even if you are a white lesbian who loves rap write your white your write your white lesbian <laughs> white your white lesbian <laughs> <wife>. <laughs> write your white lesbian rap sis but don't literally like steal from a black woman on her own experience and get rich off of it like that is the i think i think social media i think is the is the newest petri dish experiment on like how to you know get rich off of like a unique essence but that's literally one of the basis of the entertainment yeah, industry mm, yeah. like music art selling your persona yes music actors all of them there that's always a part of their branding is like figuring out how to do that within the industry mm-hmm. and again you could tell that she i just it was bad it was bad it was bad it, was bad. it just makes me it makes my blood boil when people plagiarize other people's I songs know. especially black women because black women are the reason why we you have any good songs ever saying mm-hmm. rosetta tharp ever what the fuck ever? I I don't want to give this white girl any more airtime. Jesus, I'm done with sorry, her. I'm mad. But the no, it's okay. The reason <laughs> I'm gonna say apologizing. I'm gonna say I'm sorry yeah, a lot. Sorry. There, there, <laughs> I can't. Sorry, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. Um, the reason why I want to pivot though is because I have an added point, and this is an actual read in a direct PSA. Oh, well, let me sit down. Um, Hold on, <laughs> I'm already sitting down. So but... I, the trashy TV show that I started watching was. 20 somethings Mm. on netflix Mm -mm, mm -mm. um it's a recent show that came out Mm -hmm. i love 
watching the like we're 20 something years old and we're all in a house together and we're all gonna see who fucks who first so <laughs> so <laughs> the voice is funny y'all but if y'all could see her fucking eyebrows and eyes nia has a doll eye situation i do oh my god you're not the first one to say that yeah like and everyone <laughs> your express she just has the ability to literally look across the river and through the woods yeah but like look at you but not look at you yeah. yes um it's, it's creepy um so yes and i've done that during sex before and it's freaked people oh. <laughs> and i just i don't know if it's a superpower or a curse oh um, all right continue so, this, so i started watching the show because you know i love watching honestly i don't love watching love island but i'll watch too hot to handle i'll watch are you the one and i really only watch it for the social experiment element yeah, right it's and because these are such interesting sociological takes on love and relationships yeah. in a cis hetero environment like yes it is these shows often are meant to be like the cultural arbiter of quote unquote norms, right? Like Ugh. relationship and sex norms How play odd. out in these spaces. Mm. So I watch because I'm curious. Yeah. What do y'all think is normal? Mm-hmm. I, I'm clearly not part of this community, but I just want to know. And I tuned into 20 somethings and it's set in Austin, Texas, which is like <sighs> a, a city that I don't think I'd go back to. Um, and everyone's like, Austin's amazing. South by Southwest. And I'm like, there's too many like white tech bros in that city for me oh, like i've never been it's it, i'm sure it's, it's great to visit i guess um yes. but regardless it's getting caucasian y'all so <laughs> so I, I watched and it's basically and honestly the only reason why i tuned in is because they had one gay guy they had one gay guy they always and need normally one. but no they don't Actually, on love yeah. island on love to handle they don't include us we never get love in relationship dating shows ever yeah ever they had the one, one season, season of are you the one <laughs> that one season <laughs> but that was that it was a great season, we don't get way. representation on the bachelor we don't no. and we don't we're not going to even talk about tampa bay's because that is oh, a reality tv show that is so deplorable God. i'm not even bringing it up right now because it's a whole other oh, conversation but regardless in terms of the like competition reality shows and the shows that are so clearly framed around like setting people up in a sexual environment yeah 20 somethings yes we don't get representation so i tuned in because this young man named kiki was on the show as a new baby gay and i was like i'm here to support kiki on his fucking gay journey but everyone else in this house is white and or and then they have the one black guy and the one black girl right because they always have to have one i feel like that statement applies to them more because they always need the black and they always need uh-huh. one black guy and one, one black, black girl. girl so that they can end up together i revised yeah. my statement about the queer because you're absolutely 100 right so this time they had one black guy one black girl and a one gay wow um, and then they had a latina chick who is like white passing ish um did they have a south asian girl on it too oh the, yes and they had the other south asian girl on too so they definitely did like diversity bag 101 yeah. this time and like got one of each and and then um they had like a white girl on and this white guy and this other white guy um the reason why i bring this up on the topic of queerness is because the white girl on that show this is why i watched it because the social experiment of the racial sexual dynamics like the intersections of race and sex coming out and playing out on this television show fascinating yeah you tell me you can see in real time 
this white girl so basically they all show up in the house they don't all live in the same house together they divide the house by gender so it's like what the yes so the girls live on one side of an apartment complex and they all share an apartment together and then the boys live on the other side but they share like a courtyard and a shared like pool area and like all this stuff okay um and so they uh, it's like the first day of the show and the white girl immediately identifies this uh black man from across the room and it's like it must be him like yeah kind of like and and she doesn't say it in such explicit words but i've watched this happen and i watched this show with my dad actually and he Mm. has said this he has had this exact experience a white woman and he's a former athlete at a really major state school a state champion track hurdler represent dad um so, so basically a top athlete and we all know what the white girls do when there's a black man who can do sports good <laughs> um <laughs> they lose their minds they lose their fucking minds yeah and so watching this scene like with my dad in particular adding his own personal anecdote you are seeing this white girl in real time identify this decide for the black person right yeah that this is the relationship that she wants to happen use her own feminine wiles and be very self-aware about her own white femininity that she can use it and weaponize it to get this man and basically (sighs) aggressively pursue him Without any consideration for like, is there a back and forth here? Is Does this person deeply reciprocate? I'm not sure. I met too many white girls who act this way, who show up in a space and say, my white femininity takes precedence over everyone else's decision making in this sexual environment. And this is where why race is important when you're talking about sex, because it's not irrelevant. <laughs> And white femininity is the beauty standard in our society. And there are white girls who are literally taught to use their own white feminine sexuality to get the things they want Mm. because they know that it is privileged Mm. and that people value it more than all other types of feminine sexuality. Mm. So for you to sit here, girl, just wait, because it keeps getting fucking worse. She shows up. And it's already like, ooh, this nigga, this nigga. Uh-uh. She's not saying this nigga, but like, in say. her head, she's saying this nigga. Let's yeah. be um, She's acting that way. Let's be real. Mm. Um, then the one gay guy, Kiki, they're all sitting on the couches together. He starts coming out about his experience and how he's like newly queer and he moved to Austin to explore his sexuality, yada, yada, yada. She cuts him off. Huh. Mid, yeah, like mid him talking. Coming out? Um, basically, and she's like, oh my god, I totally get what you mean. I'm bisexual. I rolled my <laughs> eyes so far back into my fucking head. And this is why this is a personal read for the white bisexual girls out here. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Just be motherfucking quiet. Someone else is coming out? Cool. Shut up. Someone else is talking about their queer experience? Cool. Shut up. Because what happens is y'all will use your queerness when it's convenient for you so that you can seem interesting because a lot of y'all are insecure that you're like not cute anymore. I've been around so many white girls who are insecure around me because they're like, but Nia's interesting because she's black and like, and you can tell that they're like, I'm the plain one, right? Because we, again, we live in a society now where capitalism has gobbled up diversity and now it's like clout to say yeah. how marginalized you are. Yeah. So they're like, but I don't have any fucking marginalized clout anymore. So then they just cling to the whole idea of womanhood, which I, I'm like, when are you guys not the victim? Just shut up. Like, is there ever a point where you're not a victim? You could. 
Because uh, seriously, you're a victim all the time, but then when a man of color shows up and you've decided for him without his consent that you want to have sex with him, that's not cool. That's not cool. Because a lot of y'all show up and truly you feel as though you have ownership over all the sexual energy in the room. All of it. And if someone's not paying attention to you because you you think you're the default cute, the default pretty, the minute somebody else shows up and, and overshadows you, you're like, I'm butthurt. Like, this is a problem. Oh, my God. And then you use the bisexual card, right? And then you're like, well, I'm interesting still, guys, because, like, I like girls, too. But what did this white girl do the whole ass fucking show? She oriented her life around men the whole time. She was only talking about men. She was only trying to fuck men. She was, and she openly acknowledged, which I will give her credit for, because there is a turning point in the show where she realizes how much of a trash bitch she's being. And she's like, yeah, I realized that I have a problem. Like I have an issue where I'm almost addicted to male validation and male attention. And I, and I tie so much of my self-worth to getting a validation from men that I harm the other people around me. And I was like, thank you. That's the, that's just about the only good thing you've said this entire fucking season, because all of you've done just now is overshadow the gay person in the room by trying to co-opt this narrative of queerness when he's coming out and he has no choice whether he's visibly queer or not. He's also, this gay guy is also brown. Mm. so like you white girl who's bisexual when you when it's convenient for you no no the bisexuals are giving the mixed girls of the queer community and it's so unattractive you don't get to choose when you want to be gay and when you don't you really don't and so fast forward the white girl and the black guy have like a fling. They have like a little friends with benefits situation. And then it ends eventually because the white girl's doing the fucking most. And he's just like, they're both, she ends it. She's like, yeah, I just feel like this is not good for me. And da, da, da. he's like, all right. He moves on. <laughs> and who, but the black girl who's been here the whole time, mind you, she's the most gorgeous one present. Of I'm course. sorry. Honestly, her, like her and the uh, Indian girl, um, they're the, the cutest to me. Um, skin flawless on both of them oh, like looking moisturized all the time outfits on point love all the time it, love it, love so it. i'm like they're stunting on all of you yeah. <laughs> and the black girl's just kind of been chilling in the background minding her business and then the black guy's finally freed up because the white girl decided that she doesn't want to play with him anymore and exactly oh, um and <laughs> and the black girl and the black guy oh what do they do connect why because they're in an all-white fucking environment together mm. they're in the middle of austin texas mm. They connect because they have clearly like mutual interests and a cultural understanding. Cultural what a, understanding. What a concept. Cultural what a understanding. Concept. And they start flirting and they hit it off. And when I tell you they would make the most gorgeous black couple I've ever Aww. fucking seen. They're so cute together. You can tell they get each other. Yeah. Like they are just truly seeing each other in a way this white girl could never, could never. And she's mad. The white girl's mad. The white girl's mad. She's like, really? Like, the this black girl, like, she really just, like, came in and, like, ugh. Like, this is just the worst. It's not about you. you. It's literally, not about you. Literally. It's literally, not about you. Literally. Literally. It's and not I about you. In, in, in colored spaces, it is not about you, white girl. And it's, or it's just in any space. In because any space. Because that's, 
seriously like it True. doesn't have to be about you all the time no it's but never I, that's a universal humanity thing that's sometimes it's saying. not about you it, thank you sometimes but it's not about i don't you. think a lot of white girls understand this because they are so used to using resting on mediocrity let's be real because half of y'all are not cute i'm sorry <laughs> half of you are not cute and i don't even mean looks wise i literally just mean your personality is giving no. go, 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 garbage like <laughs> garbage and you're showing up expecting everyone to be in love with you. Yeah. When you haven't even done the work on yourself to make it so that people would want to fucking be around you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn, I feel scalped for them. So, so <laughs> that was, like, my personal irk. Um, and I watched the whole show, again, just to kind of see how these dynamics would play out. And if you are a fan of reality television and you want... And you enjoy watching it for the reasons I do. Yeah. I definitely recommend watching it because, especially for white people or anybody, like this is it. I think reality television is often a great mirror, right? 100%. Like I watch it yeah. as well to just see how humans respond in yes. situations of stress. Yes. And so many of us make similar decisions yeah. in situations of stress. And so it's less about even being like, I'm better or worse than this person and more just being like, yeah, no, I, I could see elements of myself in that human being. Yeah. Not in this white girl, but like the the black people on the show, the brown people on the show, I see myself in them. Mm -hmm. Like I, I see what the decisions they make mm -hmm. as things that I would probably have done at age 20 something in a new city somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I, that was my last little uh, bit of read, but that's all I got for, for the pulse of the moment. Just wanted to read the white bisexual <laughs> girls right quick. No, your reads for them are um, pretty immaculate, you know? <laughs> Thank you. There's, what else is there to be said? The, uh, the only thing I did want to, not even yeah, add, but please. echo, is something that you've said before that I have taken um, and I think shouldn't be glossed over. If you're going into a sexual situation and you've already de determined that something is going to happen, you fucking wrong. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are going into a sexual situation and you have determined mm -hmm. that something is going to happen, white girl who, we're going to date. You've already determined that you're going to date this black man. You already determined any in any type of sexual situation that goes for humanity in general. If you go into a, a sexual situation, you've already determined something's going to happen. You fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. So thank you, for, the, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, that's the thing I think a lot of white girls don't even realize they're doing. Like, I think they don't think that's what they're doing, right? No, because again, the, it has never been a time where it's not about them. Thank we've had, you. We've had a situation where some a, a white girl has told us that her mother taught her to cry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When she is in moments of mm -hmm. conflict, and not even moments of conflict in terms of uh, uh, like she's in danger, yeah, just like literally getting what she wants. At her no, room. being being held fucking accountable in any yep. type of any type of conflict, any type of situation where someone doesn't agree, she has been taught to cry, and mm -hmm. we have known the fact that white women weaponize tears all the mm -hmm. fucking time. But keep going. But what I'm saying is that y'all need to recognize that you also weaponize your sexuality because that Thank is you. a hard pill for some of you to swallow Thank because you. you are hell bent on claiming to be the victim, right? So many, so many of you, your, your sexual identity is defined by the fact that like, but I'm still a woman and sexual assault happens to me, to people in my community. That is very well and true. true. That does not mean that it is impossible for you to commit that same harm to somebody else. And you, yes, are a victim at times. You are not a victim all the time. You are a victim at times. You are not a victim all the time. In, in some instances, you are the fucking perpetrator. And so your sexuality is a double-edged sword. Yes, sometimes it is the thing that is taken away from you. Someone harms you and commits an act of sexual harm to you. 
And you often do the same to men of color and women of color. You weaponize that same victimhood, that same victimhood that you claim is the source of your oppression. You use it to oppress others. Dr. Nia Abram. <laughs> Dr. Nia Abram. So that's my two cents on... Dr. Ho, ho. Dr. Nia Abram. <laughs> on a lighter note, on a pivot note, to highlight, to counteract this garbaggio white women energy, um, my who to follow this week is a lovely black girl who also gives cutting analysis yes. <laughs> on TikTok. Um, so her handle is at mika 96 so yeah m i i k a a underscore 96 love mika 96 we featured her in last episode wait did we yeah we featured her in last episode she was the one who gave the cutting um description about men with money oh wait that was her yeah oh my god i didn't even i didn't put that together at all well she's the one who i already mentioned talks about how um like vaginismus affects people and like talking about actual like vulvic issues and like mm. how s- not all people with vaginas have pleasurable sex and like yeah. actually illuminating the problems with vaginas that like many people have um and i resonated just because i have my own issues with my own vagina mm. and i really want to destigmatize talking about vaginal issues when mm. it comes to sex that's how i came across her i totally forgot that she was the one who did that too and she said something else and she was the one who she's also gorgeous. was yes she was also the one who was talking about what we mentioned maybe a couple episodes ago about um the whole idea that in many heterosexual relationships their only point of intimacy is sex and contact and she gave that great analysis too <sighs> so yeah girl so yeah. if you don't know by now you need to go follow at mika yes. underscore 96 we'll put the um her ha- link to her handle in the description but i love her stuff mm. um for every un- annoying ass white girl you see co-opting somebody else's shit just go follow a black girl please <laughs> just follow please black please um i don't know did we mention dochi in last episode not last episode, but we've mentioned Dochi before. Okay, I just who to I, like? Yeah, maybe. Ooh, maybe a new who thing to that we, listen. Yeah, who to listen to? Because both of us at are least, avid music lovers. Yeah, avid music lovers, and also I want to make a practice of me listening more to different things. Mm. So that will be a good way for me to be held accountable. Yeah. With that. Oh, we talked about Dochi a couple episodes ago because I mentioned her um, song "God." Yes. Um, and read y'all a quote from from her song, but. Again, if you have not listened to Dochi, please listen to Who to listen, Dochi. Especially Yucky Bucky Fruitcake, because that shit is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yes, we, this was a riveting pulse of the moment here, you know, just getting, getting down to it. Today feels big free. It feels happy solstice, (laughs) y'all. Winter solstice. Yes. Well, this week's topic, we are talking about romantic friendships. I'm so excited to be here with one of my longest friends talking to you about this. But on the other side of the break, we're going to talk more about romantic friendships and what they mean to us.
Welcome back from the break, everyone. We're talking about romantic friendships. Uh, I'm so excited for this conversation. I love me a romantic friendship. Yes, I just love my friends. Like, I, I love my friends too. And I, this is why I told you and why we both listen to uh, podcast episodes from Invisibilia's podcast. NPR yes. has, has a series on romantic, or not romantic, uh, just friendships, period. Yeah. Um, through Invisibilia podcast. I don't know if y'all have heard of Invisibilia's podcast. They actually changed hosts mm. in the last couple years too. It used to be hosted by a white woman and then they were like diversity and got two um, women of color to host recently. And they chose to focus on friendships this season. The whole premise of Invisibilia too is that they are, the, the it says in the title, they're trying to highlight concepts that are invisible to us, which mm. is why I thought it was so interesting that they chose friendship. Yeah. Because it is something that we as a society don't spend a lot of time talking about in terms of um, what's normal, right? Like what's normal, what's not, what's scripted in a friendship, what's yeah. expected in a friendship, yeah. right? You hit the nail on the head with expected because mm -hmm. I do think that we do talk about friendships, but mm. in a very, very monotone like and like surface level but also it's like a weirdly skewed way of like us versus them like loyalty like friends don't do that yes exactly which yes it lacks depth to me personally. That, that's the point is it lacks depth mm -hmm. and because it's a one note conversation mm -hmm. it's you know that's the only perspective that is pushed so the fact that uh invisibilia used it as a, a access point to have a conversation about like friendships deeper mm -hmm. makes me excited mm -hmm. so i so we both listened to different episodes yeah um of the series uh, not on purpose by accident but i think it's honestly the most like serendipitous active chance that we listened stop <laughs> so yeah so we listened to two different episodes and it's definitely going to frame our conversation and then I also read, because I be reading. You be reading. Um, I so read proud of you. You a, the first two chapters of a book that they do mention in one of the episodes from Invisibilia's season on friendships. And the name of the book is called Stepping Off the Relationship Escalator, mm. Uncommon Love and Life, or Uncommon Life and Love. And they interview the woman who wrote this book. Her name is Amy something. I forgot her last name. Mm. But I, it's all in the description, y'all. Um <laughs> Well, this frames the conversation well. So I think yeah. what might be helpful is if you talked about your the That's episode what I was gonna you say. listened to first. Yes. So I I listened. The reason why I read "Stepping Off the Relationship Escalator" is because they mentioned it in mm -hmm. the episode on friends with benefits in the Invisibilia friendship series. Uh, and I, I just love, well. you know me, I love framing a conversation with something grounded in some sort of text or reality. Has something to help us find some sense of up or down. Yeah. Um, and also give us a little bit of data or like really thought out information. Mm -hmm. So the book itself, they, or she, I should say, Amy, she used a survey of like 1,500 people, I believe, to help write this book. Oh, so cool. she did actual sociological research mm -hmm. on understanding how people view friendships and like why um but also relationships as well and then like how that relates to a linear idea of relationships cool um but they mentioned in the friends with benefits episode on invisibilia which was tea to me personally because <laughs> they um basically that episode focuses on a gay man who uses the concept of um the relationship escalator if you will or a linear relationship the idea of straightness 
really, mm. to have a series of friends with benefits scenarios with a bunch of women. <laughs> and um, oh, Lord. he uses it to seem straight, right? Like, so he uses the whole concept of a linear heterosexual relationship that's leading towards marriage and like kids and blah, blah, First blah. First comes love, then comes uh-huh. marriage. He uses women in his life essentially to pose as straight, but keeps them hanging in the balance as these like sort of friends with benefits type oh, people. Triggered as fuck. Yeah. And then <laughs> dips and then just is like randomly like fuck you one day. And these women are all jaded and pissed. So the interviewers on the hosts of Invisibilia are like, all right, bro, can we get like one of these women? Like, can we track one of these women down and like have you talk to them? Oh and God. most of them said no because they were that hurt by his actions. But they were able to contact one out of these, like, I think it was like three or four women that he wow. did this to um, and have a conversation with her. But it was such a fascinating conversation. Mm. And I think it really reaffirmed for me how much relationships in our society are based on a heterosexual monogamous script. Yeah. So much so that people who are gay and want to pretend that they are straight can literally just read the rule book and then try to participate and y'all will believe that bullshit. So I think something, so we talked about this offline a little bit before, just to like brief each other of the episodes that we listened to. And something that you said earlier that really also hit the nail on the head is that he thought that he had agency to do this because they weren't official, Uh which how many fucking Uh times does any man use that as an excuse for behavior, just terrible behavior? Yeah. We weren't official. Like you, we didn't really say nothing. What the fuck? I that logic and that excuse needs to be buried deep in the ground. Please, we need to move on from that. Please hold niggas accountable more. This is why I want. This is why I want to talk about the relationship escalator. Please. The reason why I want to talk about it is because it it's part of perpetuating this idea that certain relationships are legitimate and other relationships are not, which is why we're talking about it in the context of romantic friendship, because the relationship escalator is talking about romantic friendship, but what it does in the process is it delegitimizes any other relationship that does not fall into that category and mm-hmm. it creates a hierarchy of, of relationship that where perilous. certain relationships are better or considered more important or valuable than others, which is why romantic friendships to me are a resistance to hetero monogamy and all of the ideas that we must put all our eggs in the basket Mm. of my significant other and that's it right or one significant other even and Mm. that's it Mm -hmm. right so i do want to say before you jump into yours Mm -hmm. i will give you what amy says defines as the relationship escalator so that y'all can understand she says it's the default bundle of societal expectations for intimate relationships partners follow a progressive set of steps each with visible milestones and markers toward a clear goal is linear it is step one step two step three step four step five so how that okay so now that i understand digesting that that is the legitimately we meet and then we start Uh dating and uh then we move Uh in together Uh and then he proposes Uh and then we have a baby and then and we're together for life right Right. got Uh it uh-huh so that is i mean especially we think about who many of people our age were raised by. It was like people, it was people who were raised by people born in the early 1900s. And mm. then like they grew up in, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, which is like the prime 
time for like it was the Mad Men era, right? Like it is the yeah. the booming middle class, like <laughs> oh my god, um, and it's the idea of a nuclear family, yeah. like all of the concepts that, in my opinion, also really go along with capitalism, like the yeah. relationship escalator, um, which is what. Amy really, I think the analogy of the escalator is important and it's not by chance. Like she's super intentional about being like, it's an escalator because what it does is it gets momentum and it gets away from it. It's not stairs. Yeah. Right. It's not stairs. They're not stairs because stairs require you to put your own physical force behind Mm. it. The escalator is something that you get on and then it just keeps going. And it's really difficult to go backwards. Exactly. It's really difficult to get it's off. super hard to get off. Mm. And the further up you go, the harder it is, right? Like, if yeah. I step on an escalator and maybe I'm on it for, like, a second, I might be able to backpedal, bop, 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 hop off. If I'm halfway and or all the way up, the, I'm going up the escalator. No, like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Escalators scare the fuck out of me they are <laughs> they're scary they're so scary so i mean and so is the relationship escalator to me like i don't i don't want to be on one mm. <laughs> at all yeah, personally no. so i just think it's super helpful to have the analogy and sh- what she also says too is that escalator is it only fits two people right if you think about the average escalator mm. if you want to stand side by side with someone on the escalator you can only fit two people <sighs> which that's also stressful uh-huh uh-huh S- standing side by side with a person uh-huh. on the escalator is so stressful uh-huh yes and like that's but that's how so many people feel yeah they're stuck in those types of relationships Mm. and what it does is it just ends up marginalizing and sidelining like all the other relationships that we could be having that we could also find meaningful and also like we could get on the escalator is not inherently bad like if you want to be on it right we could get on there with not a like sexual or romantic partner you could get on there with a friend if you want well i think that's what i wanted to segue into and make sure that i got clear for myself is making sure that i define what a a romantic friendship is to me Mm, okay um because or what that looks like because i think that we did identify the fact that is it is in resistance to the current escalator that is being taught but i do think that there is nuance in what that actually looks like in someone's everyday life of what it Mm. what we what having a romantic friendship or what having a romantic friend does to you and what it looks Mm. like in your everyday life. So like for me, the romance that you would anticipate from a partner that you're having sex with, but in a platonic friend where you do not want any type of sexual relationship with them, you don't want to be like cohabitating with them. You just want to see them grow and Mm. be in their life Mm. while also feeling the innate like desire to make sure that they're good in the way that we have been perceived or we have been taught that is just only given to romantic or Mm. to romantic relationships. Does that make sense? That does. It honestly makes me think about, I I also want to outline for y'all the sort of what she calls the five hallmarks of the relationship escalator because i do think this applies to friendships and people don't think about it Mm. and they only apply these things to romantic relationships yes and then they completely overlook it she says and in this part may not be true of friendship she says the five hallmarks of being on the relationship escalator are monogamy merging as in blending the infrastructure of your daily life which we do with friends all the time yes she also says hierarchy, which is that often romantic relationships with a partner in a monogamous setting are privileged 
over friendships, which there are some of us who view our friendships more importantly than the other friendships in our lives. Yeah. Um, sexual or romantic connection, which can exist in friendships. And then she also says continuity, mm. which is friends, bro. Like- yeah, no. Well, this also goes along the lines with the um, the episode that I watched. Mm-hmm. So I watched an episode. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this also goes along along. This also goes along the lines with the episode that I listened to of the Invisibilia podcast. And that episode was based on a uh, friend therapy. The concept was, is that there is a therapist, a famous therapist out there named Esther Perel, who... Yeah. Um, We've talked about her before on the show. Last yes. season. Yes. there. She's... She? Yes. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's fantastic. She talks about cheating and, and, like, other shit in relationships as well. Yeah, but one of the things that they were talking about to tee up um, the genuine conversation, like the content of the episode was the fact that we put a higher value on mm-hmm. romantic relationships mm-hmm. than we do friendships, which mm-hmm. is the reason why most uh, therapists only deal with solo couples, couples or family relationships mm-hmm. because people don't put an emphasis on respecting yeah. respecting the work it takes to be in deep friendship with mm. a person. So Esther Perel did an experiment where she just said, like, I think any best friends come on and I'll give you a free session if you agree to be recorded. And these two straight cis men had a conversation about their friendship and how it it's, uh, has been distancing over the past few years. Mm. And a lot of the conversation that I, uh, or a lot of the context that I took from it was Esther Perel. The brilliance of Esther Perel is the fact that she was just viewing relationships as relationships. Yes, exactly. As opposed to, this is a situation where we are talking about couples. This is a situation where mm-hmm. we're talking about family. Mm-hmm. We're talking, I mean, obviously all of those have their own unique context. signature behavior yeah. and content or context rather. But I just appreciated the fact that a these two friends allowed there uh to be a microphone in the room while they're going through couples Mm. therapy and b that esther uh facilitated in a way where it was relational but the whole point was the fact that they didn't even think to do this because they had put a lesser value on their Mm. friendship than they did a romantic Mm -hmm. uh friendship Mm -hmm. or romantic relationship that's such a good point too and that's what Amy talks about in stepping off the relationship escalator. She talks about how much there is a hierarchy and how often our language reflects this hierarchy when yeah. we talk about relationships. Yes. She she uses the words real or serious, right? When we talk about someone being in a real quote unquote relationship mm. or a serious quote unquote relationship. Yeah. Or how we use the modifier just in, in front of friends. Oh, we're just friends. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? And so that somehow like demotes the quality of the relationship or makes it so that you don't have to care as much. Um, and like the whole idea of being quote unquote just friends mm-hmm. it honestly cracks me up when I read that she said that. It immediately brought me back to undergrad and I had more than one romantic friendship with multiple people, uh, especially among the gays. Like we were all like, yeah. We're just friends, you know? Mm. Like, we would often use the rhetoric of being, quote-unquote, just friends, almost in an ironic way. Like, mm-hmm. in a, and I know so many gay people who do that, where they're like, yeah, we're just friends. We're just friends. Like, ha, 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 ha. Because it's almost trolling the way that heterosexual people view us. Ah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, honestly, even me and my partner, like she, when she first came out, sort of, and people were starting to figure out that she was queer, there were pictures of us online and people would comment on her social media like, what's going on with you and your friend there? 
It's and it's like, bro, we're gay. Like we're clearly gay. Yeah. But you wanna see us as quote unquote just friends because mm-hmm. you're so committed to this idea of heterosexuality and monogamy, which is why I bring it up because it has an impact on our all of our friendships. Like yeah. regardless of your sexual identity, the ideas of patriarchy, misogyny, heteronormativity, all that stuff affect how we view friendships in our society. Yeah. And keep us from viewing friendships as romantic, as something super intimate, like super close, super deep, you know? Yeah. I, I- I love romantic friendships and I also have a lot of them and a lot of them also happened in undergrad Mm. because that was my access point to queerness honestly is Mm. like I had a sexual relationship with somebody who was queer Mm -hmm. but the my active daily practice because I wasn't dating that much my active daily practice was in romantic friendships Mm. and for me I had the unique experience of having a lot of romantic friendships with cis men yeah so it was like that weird point like in in straight land people were like very confused and was like is that your boyfriend or like why is he doing boyfriend shit for you and I'm like he's asking if I'm okay he's buying me food like it's (laughs) like you know what I mean just making sure like nourished yeah like he's like like we have conversations he sends me memes yeah to like make me laugh yeah he sends me like puppy shit because we both like pup you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it's not it's not anything crazy like we go out to dinner because we're friends we like hang out and enjoy each other's company and they're like that's some boyfriend shit and i was Mm. like i just it never occurred to it just never made sense to me Mm. that again valuing someone else's company and time that's what's only related to people that you're fucking which is so weird the escalator girl that's it that's it so that's all we've got like that's the model we have in society for understanding that type of care and affection is relationship only in a in a monogamous like often heterosexual manner where the plan is to go somewhere because that's Mm. the other thing it's that it has to be going somewhere well (laughs) yeah it has to be going somewhere but i i I did also want to just touch on the fact that like the thing that i loved about my episode Mm. was the fact that we're listening to these two men go through couples therapy essentially yes for their friendship and they got really vulnerable with each other which again is associated with romance because it's associated with softness because it's Mm -hmm. it's associated with femininity which normally only happens with masculinity Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so them being really vulnerable with each other and basically without going into the details because again only esther perel can do esther perel so i would highly highly highly, we're gonna link the description for highly recommend that you listen to a the episode on invisibilia but also you were saying that the there is thank you shout out to my beautiful partner rita she told me that there is is a raw cut like a raw conversation of yes. the actual therapy session that es- esther perel has on her, on her own podcast that's not yes. on invisibilia invisibilia does like an overview and a recap and sort of like a summary and interview style there's, there's clips, clips of, of it there's yes. clips of the interview or sorry there's clips of the, the therapy, therapy session, session within the interview yes. that they have with us yes but esther gives you raw full deep so so yeah but i i i also just it, it always goes back to the um lack of respect that femininity has in our current society mm. because they went through a full set therapy session basically yeah. you know they started they started off as best friends from preschool and the overview was that both of them got envious of each other and mm. both of them got insecure about who each other was feeling because i think something that you were saying about the the um uh, escalator that you said maybe doesn't apply to friendships but it does was the feeling of monogamy they hmm. even they even talked about within their friendship interesting they talked about within their friendship that when they You're went the only <laughs> when they went off to college 
like they're again this is two straight cis men when they went off to college they would refer to the new friends that they were making deep deep friendships that they were making as friends but one of them even said that they're like i i didn't want to say that they were my best friend because that was reserved for you oh that's so cute right it's so yeah. sweet so so that is like best friend is monogamy for friends you know right yes so i just found it really lovely that they had a conversation that was very very vulnerable and at the end of the conversation um it ended with you know them really just speaking how valuable each other's friendship and each other's presence mm. was in each other's lives mm. and esther was like why do you think you haven't been able to talk to each other the way that you have and like why do you think you uh were able to talk to each other the way that you have in this session and they're like oh, i don't know because we're men and yeah. like men aren't really conditioned to be to even have access to their vulnerability at all which i think something that romantic friendships allows people to do vulnerable friend romantic friendship is vulnerable friendship yeah romantic friendship is really vulnerable friendship and i think again having the unique experience of having a a romantic friendship with men Mm. i was the i was the girl that they can like still access their vulnerability with because they knew that they could access vulnerability with women yeah and with femininity but we weren't fucking so like they had the opportunity to still be themselves which mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. a lot of them are like i just oh haven't had that joy yeah, opportunity. Yeah, yeah i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm friends with i'm friends with i'm like my first best friend mm. was a man shout out colin i love oh. you very much and even when we were young we were always really really close and always wanted the best for each other and like you know would tell each other that we look nice and like we were talented oh, and like we were fun cute. and like wanted to spend each other like spend time with each other and everybody when thought we were in were middle school thought we were dating <laughs> and i was like why is it that i yeah. can just be friends with this person yeah. and that person just want the best mm-hmm. for me without mm-hmm. having to fuck me like why they were talking about that on the episode of invisibilia i listened to too which mm-hmm. is just like the whole idea of romantic friendships opens the door into the foray of also just interrogating this really gendered idea of like who can be friends with who like the taboo idea of like can you be friends with your ex mm-hmm. right or can you be can men and women truly be friends without fucking like all that shit which to me is so <sighs> so tired dumb so tired <laughs> um but are legitimate questions that people ask themselves <laughs> they haven't figured out their individuality outside of the labels they've given themselves yeah exactly like Like their their whole identity is is literally their their gender gender. (laughs) their gender and i'm like i don't know about that i'm a whole ass person besides me being a woman right um yeah um or inside of me being a woman right like i don't have to like those things are not mutually exclusive nor do they inform one another all the time i just made another (laughs) thread line about a conversation that we just had offline about the fact that certain people they're i don't know like them moving in life and they're part of their personality is their gender it's just like if you think about what's going on in media and what's going on on tv Mm. a lot of characters are written where their whole personality is their gender or they're gay or whatever yeah yeah Yeah. no truly i also my other thing that the relationship escalator helped me understand about for me how i view my own romantic friendships Mm -hmm. is that at a certain point on the relationship escalator right which is like before you get to the stage of like i'm in a committed relationship Mm -hmm. and the nebulous phase that many of us that most of us spend time in because the reality is for every one like person we end up in a long-term relationship we go on like 35 dates right Mm -hmm. like we spend so much time in the beginning phases of a relationship which Mm -hmm. is like I went on a date with someone and then like 
it didn't work or maybe we hooked up a little bit and then it didn't turn into anything or we kind of just like live in this situationship phase is 35 a quantified number that most people go on i no, i literally just made that oh, word up. okay cool. um, i, I just literally just made that i'm just saying for every number of dates you go on that's just dating like yeah no only it makes sense only I one just, out of however many actually works of all the people who would have that data on tap it would be you <laughs> you're so right I was thank asking. you for clarifying no i that's not an official number that's just me making shit up okay but we also don't view the like nebulous state pre-committed relationship as legitimate relationship and yes for me a lot of my romantic friendships exist in the in-between space between completely platonic and we are in a relationship yes and so we're in the in-between like there are friends that i have had threesomes with there are friends that Mm. i have shared beds with and we've like hung out and people think we're fully in relationships with each other like they're like truly i one of my dearest friends who um i just spoke to the other day fully seen her naked we fully fuck and and fucked some other guy too wow and to and who with, is this? and when i see girl i'm not saying the name on the, oh shit yeah on Sorry, the, um, I the goddamn podcast genuinely forgot we were recording <laughs> okay cool bye but you know we are have grown closer from it honestly like there are so many friends that i have where we've had sex and it's made us grow closer mm. and we are friends like friends with a capital f there's it's, no we're not in a relationship i don't ever want to be in a relationship with them but the fact that we have romance tick tension and even sexual tension is a part of our friendship and it brought us yes. closer like i got to know that person better and i think it's so beautiful that's why i love having sex so much mm. and why i'm talking about sex so much because it's not just something that exists inside of like a romantic relationship that's le- quote-unquote going somewhere right you i'm so glad that you brought that other perspective because i think again in the straight world you have to go from not having sex to having sex and to your point it has to go somewhere and your perspective is not a, one that is voiced often and not enough in my opinion of like mm. you can have sex with somebody and then it just turns into a friendship you can go the opposite yes. way it doesn't yes. have to be a specific cookie cutter script mm-hmm. of we start off at a specific thing that we saw in a movie and then we move on to the second Mm -hmm. thing that we saw in a Mm -hmm. movie and then we go into the last thing that we saw in the movie. And this is why I do want to touch on this point because this is a personal philosophy of mine that I've echoed to so many people. Please. This is why I believe in casual sex, not careless sex. Um, Thank you. And I just want to say this again. I believe in casual sex, not careless sex. Because Mm. Amy talks about this too with the relationship escalator. She's like, basically y'all have gotten to the point where it's cool to treat people like garbage because we don't legitimate relationships that exist as just sexual Mm -hmm. or friendship sexual, friends with benefits sexual. But anything that isn't a quote unquote real hetero monogamous relationship, y'all just think it's par for the course to just fuck around and treat people like garbage Mm. you're still relating to somebody yes you are still relating to somebody yes i can have a friend that i respect as a friend and want to have sex with them and not want to go any further i don't owe them any more than what we've agreed upon that does not mean i get to treat them like garbage (sighs) that relationship deserves respect still which is like romantic friendships deserve respect still, right? Whether there's sex involved, whether there's no sex involved, no matter how high or low it is on this quote unquote linear fucking graph that you've made about where relationships are going. But your relationship with your partner that you may be in a romantic sexual relationship with 
can ju- be just as important as the friendship that you have with someone where you had sex one time, but you guys still connect and you're still homies and you still talk or whatever it is. Like, I hate that shit. I hate that shit. Mm. All relationships are important. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of the, the way people have treated you in those situations. It goes mm. along the lines with the conversation that was had in the podcast uh, episode that I listened to. Which, uh, basically, when they were having a conversation about their shared envy toward each other, Ooh. so at a certain point in time, one dude was jealous of the other dude for a certain situation or a certain characteristic that they had, and vice versa. And what Esther said was that th- that their actions after that were consequences to the choice that they made that other person a representative or a representation of a part of you that you struggle with interesting so they basically made each other a representation of the part of themselves that they struggle with and that's why they were envious with each other each other because it was like they lacked a certain thing but to your point if you're in a situation where you both have the most agency to be in a queer relationship in any sense of the uh, of the imagination and to me romantic friendships is one of the foundational ones because you Mm. are in love with your friends you're in love with your community Mm. if you have agency to, to do that then that like weird power struggle that happens when you make someone else a projection is really non-existent because you're seeing that person for who they are yes yes and i also think it means that you are valuing and putting the work into the friendship that that it deserves just as much as you would put into i'm dating this person now thank you and it's it's again I'm sorry that you've had the ex- the experiences that you've had um, to make you feel lesser than in terms of your relationships in that way. And I'm mm. sorry for the situations that that I have had yeah. where I, someone has made me feel lesser than because of the, you know, the non-straightness of our relationship. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's sad because people are doing it unconsciously and people are doing it yeah. because it doesn't fit what they think is supposed to happen and not go with what feels good to them. That Ooh, I wrote a note down to when I was reading and I, this is so about this. I said the escalator encourages us to desire the ideas of relationships rather than the connections themselves because they need to fulfill a certain social role. Yes. Think about capitalism's impact on this concept. I say this all the time and especially when I'm watching trash TV, like there are so many girls on there that want to be wives yes but they don't want to be married exactly they want to be somebody wife Uh but they don't want to be married Uh so to like to the point that we've had again offline about being in like fan groups because (laughs) people want to be people want to be seen as someone else's friend without being in friendship with that person yes like what does it mean to legitimately be in friendship with somebody yeah and i think that that if you are in deep friendship with that person uh, with i think if you are in deep friendship with a person it it tends to get romantic anyway i think most of us to our to our (laughs) core honestly are romantic in the way of we have defined romance as wanting the well-being of another person to be considered yeah literally (laughs) yes you know like Like, i want you being thoughtful yeah i want you to be i want you to feel good i want you to like i want to be able to say that you look good or you have done something well or i'm proud of you you know that is considered romantic Mm. 
Mm. that is considered romantic because it is the sweet side of relationships because we only talk about fucking it's either we're in deep deep romance with each other and no one sees any any tit or anything like that or it's fucking and we mm. i've already talked about the fact that the fucking that we see on tv it, it, yeah it's bridgerton or not like right. it's literally like oh my where for art thou yada 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 but even it's it's <laughs> where for art thou with no fucking and then like oh sorry it's where for art thou and then it's fucking even in that show and i'm like it is no literally there can be there's so much in between that and there's Mm. so much going from fucking to friendship and friendship to fucking Mm. and there's so much in between that that doesn't get explored Mm. and i think that's something that romantic friendships give you the opportunity to do because it takes the pressure off of it and i really do think the whole idea of something quote-unquote going somewhere is what inhibits people from taking the leap to really escalating a friendship into a romantic friendship Mm. so many people feel pressure to keep things where they are for fear that the other person is going to assume that they want to be in relationship in a deeper manner that's like oh now we're together now again esther perel be spitting okay oh that no that woman spits facts and she's not american so like she has a level of bluntness with her speech that she she just be saying it yeah (laughs) because so in the beginning of their conversation they were talking about uh one of the guys was talking about his uh experience with islamophobia because he was muslim i see in a predominantly white predominantly catholic situation lord have mercy i'm praying for him Uh, right he, so yeah he, he probably but, needs therapy in other ways no, but, so he downplayed it in therapy he, he was like mm. yeah it's you know it was pretty tough and, but, and she was like Yikes. she was she was like no it seems like it was tougher and he was like yeah you know i just you know i just wanted to and she goes we will take it as it was not as you tried to make it oh that's a therapist right there i that's a therapist I everybody say, needs oh. <laughs> because do you the amount of times that people have tried to make Mm. a situation in any type of relationship as opposed to just accepting what it was and that goes along the line with the fact that we still live in a fucking patriarchy because something that they said at the end of the conversation was he was like i didn't want to show my vulnerability because i didn't want to be seen as needy or submissive to you i didn't oh, want you to have shit. the power to say because basically they're both saying i miss you yeah oh but they're guys so yeah they're, they're like saying, guys being dudes but i miss you yeah they're basically saying i miss you and they're and in their behavior they're basically saying so you seem to have divested from the from the friendship i'm gonna make sure that i that you see that i'm okay and i have other friends because i don't want to put pressure on you to not invest in this friendship but if you'd like to invest in you know what i mean like it's just that they were just trying to do what they need to do but they talked about the fact that it was a power dynamic about the fact that he didn't want to be seen submissive to him and then esther spits that her friend told her that in a patriarchy you can either have you can either have a powerful friendship or a connected friendship you can either be huh, powerful huh. or connected interesting normally with men you can't have one has to happen they preclude each other right yeah. you can either have one or the other when it comes to moving with men because they either want to feel powerful in the relationship and therefore it's take 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 and hmm. you know a power dynamic that is very very one note or it's connected and that's more feminine that's more soft that's more romantic and most people are like ale romance when in reality it's just how you do when I miss you. It's crazy. Romantic friendships have been essential in my learning about myself, love, care, and accountability. 
Really, when I think about romantic friendships, I think of affirmation, I think of gender affirmation, affirmation of needs, and affirmation of touch. One of the things about being queer that's always really excited me is the ability to explore and build relationships outside of what's expected or normative. Growing up as a queer and trans kid, I learned quickly that my relationships and friendships were not going to be the same as my peers, and for a long time that really frustrated me. I didn't have the words or the structures to understand the relationships I did have. They looked different than what than what I was seeing. The intimacy was different, the gendering was different, and sometimes I didn't feel like there was a clear line. It really took me up until a couple years ago to really understand what was happening in those friendships. I've continued to build friendships that exist in the in-between, where the gestures and care and intimacy isn't defined solely on sexual relationship. This has been the hardest year of my life and in reflecting what friendships provided support and the ones that I continue to build, the deep gestures of love, sitting in pain, exploring the pleasure and romance were the relationships that most literally kept me alive. So what do your um, romantic friendships look like? That's a good question. So, I, I mean, like I said earlier, I I be fucking my friends. So, <laughs> um, that's one of the elements. But there are also romantic friendships that I have with people who I don't have sex with. Mm-hmm. And similar to you, that, that are men. And we just... Honestly, we do, like, brunches, right? Yeah. Like, we take each other on dates. We have, like, whole little plans of, like, what we're going to do together. Which is, like, one of my favorite parts of romance, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just thinking of somebody and then orchestrating a whole day like a whole gift a whole plan whatever it is around that person because you were thinking about them and then doing it um so shout out to my friend eric who i've mentioned before like he and i we would go on cute little like like white mom like like brunch dates um (laughs) and like get lit and just gossip and like talk tea and fucking shit talk and do all this stuff but it was so fun because it was something we would look forward to together and like of course something we always thought about each other mm-hmm. when we were planning right mm-hmm. um with femmes you know my romantic friendships be looking different with the women yeah you be fucking the women. um <laughs> yeah. and that's where the lines get blurred for me a little bit <laughs> but i again i appreciate it and I don't know i've always and you've known this about me and i've talked to you about this so long ago and i think this is why people just don't get me sometimes Mm. i've always viewed my relationships on a continuum right like Mm. there is entirely platonic right if that's one end of the continuum you'd be slipping and sliding all the way to the like we are in a serious committed relationship and we have kids and a family and a house and da 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 together and so many of my friendships are non-linear in that way where it's like it starts with sex and then it ends in a friendship or it starts in a friendship and it ends with sex or starts as roommates and it ends in a a relationship so i view all my romantic friendships differently too Mm. right like we all have different like i mean the way you would view any friendship right like you have friends for different things you have the friends you kiki with you have the friends that you go shopping with you have the friends that you need you call when you really fucking need something and you're going through it like i have all of those friends just in a romantic way as well where i there are people i call up when when i want to fucking have a threesome and i'm like i know this bitch is down Mm. i'm we gonna do it Mm -hmm. and i know afterwards we're gonna go get dinner and have a good time and it's we're we're not gonna be awkward it's not gonna be weird we're just gonna have a good time yeah there's people that i 
call up when I'm like, this is my real housewife's friend. Like this is, this is my person that I call when we do want to get lit and talk shit. Um, but I think there's still a level of intimacy to like all these different friendships that I have. There's friends where I like, we used to fucking sleep in the same bed and share beds all the time. And that was our thing. So it it really just depends on like where I'm at and who the person is. Mm -hmm. But all of my romantic friendships are, in some way on a spectrum right and and that is the part for me that's super important is i don't have an end goal with any of my relationships i don't foresee an end goal which sometimes can be really limiting Mm. and i understand some people are in places in their lives where they're like i know exactly what i want and i want to be in xyz type of relationship yeah but i have always been the type of person to just take whatever relationship in stride and just Mm -hmm. let that relationship be what it is so if that means we move quote unquote backwards and like we used to live together but now we don't or like we yeah like we started as friends and now we're fucking but then we're back to friends again Mm -hmm. i don't care right like i would rather much rather just go with what feels natural for us than try to force something to happen in a specific way yeah so that's all of my romantic friendships are like have deep care and again all of my friendships have care and all of my relationships have care i don't care if i just met you and we're fucking just tonight I'm going to care about you as a person. Yeah. I don't have an intention of not caring about you. Mm -hmm. If you're going inside of my body, I care about you. You should care about me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so that, that level of like carelessness, I don't really have, like I, I genuinely take stock in the relationships I have, Mm -hmm. but I often think that honestly, to be real, like people think that I'm like a fuck boy a little bit because I'm too, in their eyes a little too willy-nilly loosey-goosey with it and i'm happy and willing to form that type of deep connection with anybody and everybody regardless of whether or not it's quote-unquote going somewhere right um which for me i'm like i don't i don't expect anything out of you other than to be present and enjoy the moment with me yeah if that means that that's what this is tonight and just tonight great if that means it's gonna happen for the next five months awesome if we're gonna be in a relationship for the rest of our lives great Mm -hmm. but i don't have an expectation that things are gonna be any more than what they are with each other as they happen i love that i think it also goes along the lines of what you were saying earlier of like casual sex versus like cautionless what is it careless 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 because people are really careless with random people that they meet and do not treat them like human beings and i don't believe in that yeah at all and i again esther perel be spitting because um she was talking about how we have changed how we've made friends um Ooh, based on the society that we have grown up in hmm. and I think something that you have been able to handle with a lot of grace throughout your entire life is mm. change because everything that, everything that you've just described of we started off as one way and then we turned back into something else is mm. change. So you have the ability to have the capacity for a lot of change in your relationships because you're Definitely. focused on the moment mm-hmm. right now. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I think how my, how romantic relationships have at least shown up in my life um, is mm. the opposite because of the difference in how we grew up. So she describes, mm. she describes, um, she describes a structure society versus a liquid society. Oh, we do not live in a liquid society. 
I mean, yes and no, we do. So she was talking about how structured society, uh, how people were living basically the only people that people had access to were the people that they lived around at a certain point in time. Oh, I see. What so you're it's saying. very okay. it's very much like that's my person. Proximity. I've known them for literally yeah. years. Yeah. And that's how we started to make friendships and relationships before. Now with the We live in a globalized world. <laughs> we live in, well, we live in a connected world, which is the reason why she said that connectedness is associated to a liquid society where we have all of these structures mm-hmm. that have allowed us to be interconnected with so many different people that that allows people who live in that type of society to make friends very fast yeah so versus the structured society where people have really deep long friendships and deep uh like history of those friendships um the liquid society has the capacity to make friendships very quickly and mm. ha- be in the moment and be very present which mm. i think goes along the lines with how both of mm-hmm. us were raised mm. you grew you moved around a lot in a very liquid environment right <laughs> so you had to make friends fast me on the other hand a lot of my romantic friendships have shown up in a structured way where i've like i've known them for years so it very much turns it, it looks like very much uh old married couple energy yes i see that for you 100 percent. it just it shows up like very mm-hmm. old couple energy because mm-hmm. that's how i show up in general is like i'm i'm an Oh, I just am an old bitch and that's how I feel. It's just how I am. I, I do too. And I really do resonate with the auntie uncle vibe or married couple vibe because I've been in a married couple in most mm. of my friendships for most of the time, which is the reason why um I think of romantic friendships in the way of like how men when they're just booed up start doting on their girl in that yeah. way i'm like that's very that it's makes sense like, why the monogamy element too may even make sense for your type of romantic friendship mm-hmm. um and i love the idea of taking what i listed are the hallmarks of the, ro- the relationship escalator that's for romantic relationships yes. and applying them to friendship yeah because that is so cool like we need that yeah um and that's what amy is talking about too is she's just like i we we need to change our language around friendship yeah so that we can actually have the words to articulate what it is we actually want from each other what it is we want from each other because we don't have that language right now um and i i don't know especially as a poly person like i've always felt that i relate to people in a way that feels really alienating and Mm -hmm. like that people don't respect or value Mm. Um, because like, I don't feel like people respect or value those one night stands or those fleeting missed connections, right? Like Mm -hmm. that moment where you just fucking meet somebody, Mm -hmm. you just somewhere and you just meet a person and that's happened to me so many times. And I'm the type of person to take that and like run it Mm -hmm. and, and like go from there. Like one of my good friends who just messaged me the other day shout out to jordan i love you um we met on a motherfucking dating app and like our relationship started very sexual and semi-romantic we are homies to this day like we are just friends and like it makes so much sense for us but that part like the exploration of Mm -hmm. like what that looks like you can't do that if you are stuck in this idea that like relationships can only be one thing or that thing right Mm -hmm. like that i think is what i'm saying like the exploration element mm-hmm. goes away when you automatically box or categorize relationships into certain things. Yeah. I like to just let 
things transpire no and like yeah. see what happens <laughs> and you al- and you align with people who that happens very spontaneously mm-hmm. similar to me like that is similar to me in a way but different because i like to explore over time so like it got to the mm. point where we were friends and then it just turned into married couple energy because mm-hmm. we've just been around each other forever i you're saying this and it's making me think of queerness's role in romantic friendship yes. and like same and look i can't speak to what's going on on the other side of the gay coin gay men they're living in a different world than mm. i am right like i don't the stereotypes and even the tropes and the jokes about gay men <laughs> versus what lesbians are doing we're living in different realities <laughs> yeah. um because they i think that have their own culture of lots of um um more like promiscuous sex which is not that's a stereotype but it's also still very common <laughs> let's not mm-hmm. let's not be mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but i think with maleness it's different yeah um with femmes even even the running joke in the lesbian community is that everyone's friends with their ex right like yeah. every, everyone's friends with their ex or everyone starts as as friends and then ends up fucking or everyone starts as fucking and then ends up friends because there's so much allowed inside of femininity like like what you were talking mm-hmm. about with the interview uh or the therapy session with the two men like this i this feminization mm-hmm. of like romance mm-hmm. i think is very true and so i think the beauty of being a lesbian is that you can access that romance with like everybody like no, you yeah. can do that with all of your friends you can do it with your exes you can do it with like you can literally just do it with any femme that yeah. you that you feel connected to yeah and that was part of this whole almost fun ironic element of being a new queer person when i was in college and like us figuring out whether we were quote unquote just friends mm. or if we were more because it kind of didn't matter at a certain point, no. right? What matters is that we were just hanging out and like having a good time and being in romance with each other. Yeah. That like the label stopped mattering. Yeah. And regardless, people perceived us <laughs> as gay. <laughs> so like it didn't, it really, I stopped caring. Yeah. I, I was just like, you know what? Our friendship is our friendship. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. It is what it is. My relationship is my relationship. It yeah. is what it is. And it's going to be what it is. And people are going to make assumptions about it or they're not. But at the end of the day, I know that I have this deep, intimate connection with this person. Yep. And there's just something about, like, feminine people loving on other feminine people that's I know. so warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I think, well, my other romantic ref- uh, friendship is with you which you have already identified as very masculine and the other romantic very yes and that's what i'm saying like we're both gonna be we would be the two dudes in the therapy session together yeah, do you like, know what i mean yeah dude you know <laughs> but i think something that was i just that knew about us because i knew that i was i knew i was going to draw parallels between our relationship because it's two people having a conversation recorded um something that we and I'm thankful for that we do and practice often is like transparency and communication. And like when things slightly feel off, we Mm. say what we need to say. Cause something that you and I talk about all the time that other people have talked about us, like perceiving us is that like y'all be fighting all the time. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, the fuck not everybody agrees all the time. No, (laughs) like y'all don't know. Like, the people in our lives have been like i don't understand how nia and des talk because (laughs) we're just in constant fight and i'm like yelling at each other because we but like because we're just in conversation with each other Mm -hmm. and i think something that i have 
had something something's like a hallmark in my own philosophy when it comes to relationships is learning how to fight with each other regardless of the type of relationship that you're in mm. and learning how to be in conflict with each other where you can be in disagreement with each other but also i recognize the other person's not only humanity but their love for you yeah. and your love for them yeah. that's a, not something that we're taught and something that i am very thankful that i saw throughout the majority of my life so like i love our friendship in the romantic way of like we fight like an old married couple <laughs> all yes. the time no somebody if somebody saw us on the street they'd be like what the fuck yeah like- <laughs> we, yeah yeah we just be but we bicker in the in a also in a very gay way where it's just like there's not a lot of yelling and screaming it's just us t- speaking monotone about like how we're processing currently literally <laughs> <laughs> i'm dead and and also i think in a very uh gateway in that we're both like very mask present like honestly if somebody saw us i mean someone has seen us and thought we were in a relationship yeah um like like that that is definitely happened we also have also both of us have been recognized uh uh misgendered and like hell excuse me sir because like when both of us had shaved heads people have thought that we were dudes wow i forgot about that yeah (laughs) that i haven't had my hair short in a really long time but yes but literally yes but that is what i mean by queerness is such a freeing element um and oh you know what My girl Amy in this motherfucking book in in stepping off the relationship escalator, she has something really great to say about queerness and I want to read it to you guys because she articulates the thing that I've been trying to say that some of y'all bitches don't listen to. So she says that being part of any demographic that is marginalized, so queerness in this case, for diverging from social norms sometimes can create more freedom to explore additional unconventional approaches to life and love, Mm. at least within subcultures. Thus, people who are exploring unconventional or queer intimate relationships today, whether they're heterosexual and cisgender or not, owe a profound debt to the many queer people who bravely stuck their necks out for the right to live and love as they choose. That is all I wanted to say. Amazing. That is something that I've been trying to articulate, and I think she just ha- did it so succinctly yes. just now, which is like... And before she even makes that statement in the chapter, she talks about how just because you're queer doesn't mean that you've stepped off the relationship escalator either. It's not... Uh, a necessity mm. of being a gay person right like there are gay people who are on the relationship escalator yeah they are like I, gay marriage yay like this is what we're doing we met and we're getting married and we're having kids awesome but what she is saying is that queerness and for those who have been marginalized if they do choose to live a life beyond the bounds of heterosexuality are often the ones on the front lines doing this Mm -hmm. so that you are allowed to do this comfortably in your own life. And I just really wanted to reiterate that point because I mean, romantic friendship, again, it's, that's something I hope is accessible to everybody. Right. Like I want every single person to access that the same way I want every person to be able to access their own queerness. Yeah. That does not mean that you get to just ignore the people who put their literal lives on the line to make sure that you could do this freely and proudly in a way that feels comfortable for you. Because really, truly, like you, like you've been mentioning of this therapy episode with these two men, like in a, it, 20 years ago, if two men went to therapy together and like expressed their feelings on a motherfucking podcast and for everyone to hear, they'd be vilified. Mm Mm-hmm. They would be fucking, it would be a witch hunt. They would be like, oh, these, those sissy gays, Mm -hmm. those sissy fags. So like to be able to be in a space now where we can experience that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, in a way 
um, that feels whole and natural and good for everybody, that's not without cost, yeah. right? Like that's not without expense. That's because there are people living inside of queerness and they have no choice but to experience the world this way. And that's why I bring up queerness so much in relationship to romantic friendship because so many queer relationships are romantic friendships because queer people have no choice but to have those types of friends. Um, because also our friendships have to be real deep and real connected so that we can stay alive. So um, just wanted to put that point out there. Make sure y'all knew what it was, what time it was. Yeah. Don't forget where you came from. Never Don't forget, forget who to thank. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't think there needs to be anything else added to that conversation well thank you for listening to our romantic friendship spiel we love all of our romantic friends i know thank you all to our romantic friends who chimed in this episode too we appreciate your little thoughts and tidbits we love you guys so much and this episode for me is really just an ode to all of my romantic friends and i hope to build more romantic friendships yes i hope to build more romantic friendships and to the people in our lives that were recorded and Mm non-recorded um we love you and thank you for what your friendship does Mm -hmm. to our lives to me friendship is romance i don't think there's a separation in my life between friends who i am romantic with friends who i'm not romantic with i think that friendship is at its core a romantic bond and there's something inherently romantic about friendship in that I think of love as choosing and acting and nurturing the bonds we choose to keep shaping my life where we live who I am in the world and I find that to be a form of romance to choose those around me to choose who they are and the way that I treat them with love in my actions and love in reciprocating their presence with presence back. And so to me, romantic friendship is honoring some of the longest bonds that are outside of my relationship with myself and who I am. Those are my relationships with my friends and not separating or siloing them is what more romantic friendship means to me. This episode of Politics of Pleasure is brought to you by, you guessed it, us. Our time, energy, and wisdom are very precious and we really value your support. As you know, we are an anti-capitalist duo, and so we rely on loyal and generous listeners rather than corporate sponsorships to sustain us. Your donation helps us buy books for research, new recording equipment, and probably most importantly, helps us pay the black, brown, and queer guests that we interview. If listening to this show helps you learn a little something new or maybe encourages you to spark a conversation or simply makes you laugh out loud, we are really grateful that we can give you that gift and that you have become a part of our community. Being in community with you all as listeners is probably the most rewarding part of this show, and your donation helps us to continue to build community and share invaluable resources for our liberation. You can donate to us via the link at the bottom of this episode description with gratitude and love. Thank you.
All right, my little nibblins, welcome back from the break and welcome to the Pleasure Center. This is a very special episode as this is the last one for the year 2021. This season is such a moment for reflection and stillness. So in honor of wrapping up the year, I wanted to take some time to set some intentions for our next chapter. If you listen to the show, then y'all already know how much AJ Marie Brown's work has meant to both me and Nia. She is our muse for this segment. Adrienne is one of the transformational thought leaders of our time that carries the tradition of those who came before her, like Octavia Butler, Audre Lorde, and Bell Hooks in particular, with such grace in her writing. If you haven't read any of her books, I highly recommend Emergent Strategy and Pleasure Center as your starting points. In 2017, Adrienne recorded a New Year's spellcasting exercise on a podcast called Irresistible, formerly known as the Healing Justice Podcast. In it, she encourages us to reflect on what liberation means for us, what it looked like in the past and present, and what practices we'd like to call in for the future. I've done this exercise every year since 2017, and I thought I can draw some inspiration on that lovely facilitation. Obviously, I can't do Adrian's work better than Adrian, so if you want to hear her episode, we'll include it in the show link. I wanted to add on to the tradition by putting my own mark on it and framing the exercise through the lens of our topics and our relationships. As this show is about examining the ties that connect us through relations, I couldn't think of a better way to close out 2021. The entire exercise will be about 30 minutes. The timestamp for this section will be bookmarked in the show notes, so you can come back to it whenever you'd like. So, without further ado, and with much gratitude to our beloved Adrian, let's cast some spells on our relationships for the new year. The facilitation will be broken down into three sections, 11 minutes each. We'll set up our space, and then I'll lead you through each one. You'll need a notebook, a pencil or paper, a comfortable place to sit, a quiet space, and a timer. The one on your phone is fine. Pause, collect your things, get comfortable, and meet me back here. Ready? Let's clear the space before we begin. Make sure you're sitting in a comfortable position with your feet planted firmly on the ground. Take a moment to squeeze your shoulders up to your ears, and on the count of three, release all that tension and let your shoulders drop naturally. Ready? One, two, three. And again, squeeze, squeeze, squeezing your shoulders all the way up to your ears, holding that tension, and then releasing on one, two, three. Good. Do that as many times as you need. When you're done, open your notebook to a new page. At the top of the page, I want you to title it Relationships and put the date in the top corner. Next, make a list of one through 15 on the top section of the page. Fill in the list with these words. Number one, self. Number two, my body. Number three, family. Number four, friends. Number five, sex. Number six, intimacy. Number seven, masculinity. Number eight, femininity. Number nine, queerness. Number 10, gender. Number 11, community. Number 12, politics. 
Number 13, technology. Number 14, nature. The 15th spot is flexible for you to fill in whatever you need, a specific person or a situation. When all that's written and you're settled, I encourage you to sink even deeper into your shoulders, releasing all that tension and trying really to let go. Now relax your eyebrows, your jaw, the tension in your stomach, and just sit there for a moment. Let's take three deep breaths together, inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. Ready, one, inhale. Exhale through the mouth. Second one, inhale. And exhale. Last one, inhale. And exhale. Good. We can begin. Let's review our lessons. This first section is reflecting on the lessons our relationships have taught us in 2021. Using the list above, write down what you've learned. For example, through my relationship with my friends, I learned that people are going to witness you struggling. It is what it is, but if you have the right people around you in your life, they'll help you through that struggle. I need to get better at accepting that help. You can write about one or multiple relationships from the list above. Now, put 11 minutes on your timer, and when I say go, hit the timer and don't stop writing until that thing goes off. Don't think about it too much. Don't judge it. It's not the time for that. Just write. Let it flow through you, and whatever needs to come out will. Pause here, and then come back to me when you're done. Ready, set, go. Good. Let's move on to tapping into your present. Make a new section. In this next section, I want you to tap into the relationship where you feel the most tension right now and the relationship where you feel the most ease. Talk about the practices you've been working on in each of those relationships. To help ground you in the room before you write, I want you to focus on one of your senses for a little while. Like, focus on something on the wall or... Listen to a sound for a couple seconds. Right now, it's raining on my skylight, and I love that noise. When you're tuned into that room, reset the timer for 11 minutes and keep writing. Good luck. Go. This last section is dedicated to dreams, of manifesting what we want and how we'd like to show up in our relationships. The relationship with ourselves, with our community, with the land. So for 2022, what would you like to call in? For me, I'm calling in alignment, health, strength, and breakthroughs in my relationship with my community, with myself, with my money, and with nature. You know the drill by now. You can do one of these relationships on the list or many. You can do one of your own, whatever you'd like. Put 11 minutes on the clock and meet me back here for the final time. And there you go. You've generated your spell material for this exercise. If you'd like to leave it there, you can, but I encourage you to go a little beyond and work with the magic a bit more. 
If you'd like to turn it into a spell or a song, because to me, they are the same thing. Go over each section and underline what stands out. The sentences that resonate and really get to the root of what you're saying. Next, organize the underlined lines from each section into different stanzas or paragraphs, and then you have a sweet little spell. You can say it out loud, put it to music and sing it, or put it under your pillow for a year. Review it when you do this exercise next year. Spell work is mystical, sure, but I also love the fact that it can be familiar and fun. I appreciate Adrian for guiding me through this years ago, and I thank you for trusting me to guide you now. It's an honor. So with that, I close out the space and I wish you a healthy, liberated, and pleasure-filled 2022 and beyond. I think this is a really interesting year to set intentions. Everything feels so hotly on, like we're still in a pandemic, so like, I don't know, this is like a huge shift in our world that the intentions that you're setting as consciously and as intentionally as possible right now um, feel very potent. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm excited to set my intentions for this year and I, there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. Right? So I think intention setting is ever more important mm-hmm. because there is so much uncertainty. Yeah. Because inside of a chaotic environment, all I want to do is stay grounded in who I am Mm -hmm. because that's the only thing I know how to control, right? That's the only thing that's a constant for me is what I know I can do. So setting my intention for the year of chaos that continues to be, the years of chaos that continue, like we're just, we live in a chaotic world. Like, (laughs) no, yeah. I I mean, I think that's, I'm glad that we're recording this on the solstice and I'm glad that this is going to be coming out around the season that it's coming out um, and around uh, New Year's because like there's something to be said about shadow work and doing things in the dark Mm -hmm. and like not knowing where you can literally see things like where they're going to go and where they're going to move now. Like this season of darkness is trusting that you have the agency to be as grounded in yourself Hmm. as possible Hmm. and to be the, you know, your most authentic self as possible. So I think that is a, a, is a beautiful intention. Like the first intention on your list to start with is to be as grounded, at least for me. Like, I think that's a, a good, um, first intention that I'm going to make is to be as grounded in myself and grounded in my authentic self as possible. And whatever practices that look like, you know, is personal to me or to you or to whatever, but yeah. Well, have fun setting intentions, everyone. I know I'm excited and we want to hear your intentions too if you are if you're comfortable sharing yeah you don't have to do all the you don't have to give us all the intimate details um but we love to hear how our work impacts you so if you want to let us know how the intention setting went or um give us an update in the new year if you if you said i sent the intention to do xyz and it it happens yeah let us the fuck know yeah i'll do a um i'll post the journal questions that i um included on uh our on our ig page so if you want to comment what your intention set is then that'd be great well on that note don't forget to follow us on instagram we're at politics of pleasure pod you can follow us on twitter at pleasure politic and don't forget to support our show with the link in the description 
and we will catch y'all in the new year oh my god 2022 here we go thank you so much for sticking with us to this point i know some of you have been listening since 2020 what the fuck is time i know um so thank you for sticking with us to 2022 and embracing this vision that i've had for such a long time so bless up see you